Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the influence of the Pleiades as we pick up in Job chapter 38, verse 30. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And it comes up just about in the middle of the winter skies, and it's a little cluster of stars that does look somewhat like a dipper, but it is the Pleiades, or the Seven Sisters. Now, the Little Dipper actually is a part of the, or the North Star is actually a part of the Little Dipper. And the Big Dipper, of course, the pointer stars always point to the North Star, but it takes a good clear night in the mountains or out in the desert to actually see the Little Dipper. So it is accepted for people to make the mistake and to point at the Pleiades as the Little Dipper, but don't you make that mistake. But it is a part of the Winter Constellations, comes up into the center of the sky, small little cluster, seven sisters, the Pleiades. Now, God said, can you bind the sweet influence of the Pleiades? Astronomers now believe that the Pleiades actually is the center of the gravitational forces in our Milky Way galaxy. Pretty well accepted now that it is the center of the gravity and the gravitational forces within the Milky Way galaxy. Here God is telling Job, Can you bind the sweet influence of the Pleiades? Hinting, actually, to what the astronomers have discovered, that this actually is the center of the gravitational forces in the Milky Way galaxy. Then God said, how about, Job, how would you like the job of guiding Arcturus? Arcturus is known as the runaway star. Now, how did Job know this? It travels at about 125,000 miles per second. Now, God said to Job, how would you like the job of steering that thing through the sky? (laughs) Get the steering wheel and this large mass. Arcturus is larger than our sun. (laughs) Guiding that thing at 125,000 miles a second through the sky, dodging these (laughs) stars and so forth, so you don't have a major collision in our universe here. No thanks. (laughs) You go ahead, God, and you keep your hand on it. Do you know the ordinances of the heaven? Can you set the dominion thereof in the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that the abundance of water may cover thee? Can you send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are, can you order the lightning? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts? Who has given understanding to the heart? Where did you get your knowledge? Where did you get understanding? Where does it come from? Who put it there? Who gave you the capacity? Who put the DNA there? Who created the memory cells? You know, God is just speaking of the marvels of his creation. Pointing to Job, the marvels of his creative genius. And surely, as David said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we live in a marvelous universe. 
Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can say to the bottles of heaven, when the dust grows into hardness and the clods cleave fast together, will you hunt the prey for the lion or fill the appetite of the young lions when they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie in wait? Who provides for the raven his food? Who is overseeing the universe? Who is taking care of the animals? The ravens, when the young ones are crying unto God, they wander for the lack of meat. Here the, God says when these little ravens in the nest are squawking, they are actually crying unto him. Do you know the time when the wild goats of the rock bring forth? Can you mark when the hinds calve? Can you number the months that they fulfill? Do you know how long their pregnancies are? Or do you know the time when they bring forth? They bow themselves, they bring their young ones, and they cast out their sorrows? Or can you actually harness a unicorn to plow in your field and to do your work, to bring in your harvest? Can you, did you paint the beautiful wings on the peacocks or the feathers of the ostrich? And this dumb ostrich that leaves her eggs in the earth, warms them in the dust, and forgets that a foot might crush them or that the wild beast might break them in, she's hardened against her young ones as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without fear because God has deprived her of wisdom, neither hath he imparted to her understanding. Now, some birds have tremendous instinctive abilities. Who put it in the mind of the golden plover? to fly from Alaska to the Aleutian Islands in the springtime in order that they might hatch their eggs and raise their babies in Alaska in the springtime? Who put it in the mind of the plover to fly 2,000 miles over uncharted oceans and, and land up there in the Aleutian Islands. And then after they have their little ones, and as winter is approaching, the little golden plover turns around and flies back to Hawaii. Who guides it? Who's given it its instinctive guidance system that it can fly over the 2,000 miles of ocean nonstop and land by careful navigation there in Hawaii, even though it may be blown by crosswinds of up to 100 miles an hour and be blown off of course, yet find its way to Hawaii. You say, well, it remembered the way it came. <laughs> well, then who guides the kids who are left behind? who don't take off for Hawaii until two weeks after their parents have left. And they've never been to Hawaii. <laughs> God is just saying to Job, hey, Job, who, who's done all of these things? You know, you think you're so smart? Go ahead and see how far you could get <laughs> in, in doing these things. Now, the ostrich, it lays its eggs. It doesn't worry about, you know, someone coming along and stepping on the sand and, and cracking the egg because God has hid wisdom from it. He's, he just let it be dumb, not care about the egg, whether it'll hatch or not. He's hardened her against her young ones. And yet with some animals, there are very strong mother instincts. And then God talks about the horse with its tremendous strength. 
and, and the, the excitement of the horse in battle and so forth. Who created this excitement within the horse? Does the hawk fly by wisdom and stretch forth her wings towards the south? Does the eagle mount up at your command and makes her nest on high? Who, who gave the eagle that instinct to build the nest way up on the cliff? Did you order that? She dwells and abides in the rocks, upon the crags of the rocks, and in the strong place. And from there she seeks her prey, and her eyes behold very far off. Her young ones also suck up blood, and where the slain are, there is she. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contends with the Almighty instruct him? Job, are you trying to instruct me? <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Can you think of anybody trying to instruct God? How foolish. But you're looking at one. <laughs> How many times I've tried to instruct God? Now, God... This is the way I see it, and I think you ought to work it out this way. Lord, why aren't you doing it this way? I have been so foolish thinking that I can instruct God, and I get upset when he doesn't follow my instructions. That's the dumb part. I seek to instruct God and then get upset when he doesn't follow them. Unfortunately, there are those who are espousing some kind of a doctrine that really deals with instructing God and telling God exactly what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And he's got to do it if you instruct him in the right ways. And they take the power out of God's hands and put it in man's hands of man's destiny. You control your destiny. It is your, you know, Confession that controls the destiny. Making the positive confession, that's the control of your destiny. And, and they take the control of a man's destiny out of God's hands and put it into man's hands, and they are constantly instructing God. That's dangerous. God said to Job, Shall he who contends with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproves God, let him answer it. Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? God said, hey, look, you've been trying to instruct me, contending with me, trying to instruct me. All right, answer me, Job. Job said, what can I say? What can I answer, Lord? I'm vile, trying to instruct you, contending with you. God, I'm vile. Once I have spoken, but I'm not going to answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Gird up your loins like a man. I'm going to demand of thee, declare unto me, Will you also disannul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be righteous? Think about this for a moment because I think quite often we are guilty of this ourselves. Condemning God in seeking to make ourselves righteous. I don't know how God could do that to me. After all, when I'm so good and I'm so pure and I'm so righteous, why would God allow that to happen to me? God isn't fair to me. God isn't just. He's allowed it to happen to me. Dangerous. Have you an arm like God? Or can you thunder with a voice like him? Cast abroad the rage of your wrath, and behold, everyone that is proud, abase him. Now God says, here, do this now. 
Go ahead and deck yourself with the majesty and excellency, array yourself with glory and beauty, and cast abroad the rage of the angry person. Behold every one that is proud in the earth, abase him. Look on every one that is proud and bring him low, and tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together, bind their faces in secret, and then I also will confess to you that your own right hand can save you. God said, if you can do these things, then I'll confess to you, your right hand can save you. If you can abase every proud person, bring them low and all. Now God goes and he gives the illustration of the elephant and talks of the elephant. Again, one of his creatures and of the uh, description of the elephant, its size and its diet and so forth. And then in the next chapter, God speaks of the Leviathan. Now, just what the Leviathan is, they're not quite sure. Some think that it uh, is perhaps a crocodile. Some think that it's perhaps even a dragon, while others think, think that it perhaps is a hippopotamus uh, with a hefty hide. And so those are some of the opinions. And God said, can you catch him with a hook like you catch a fish? Can you put a hook in his nose or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he pray to you and speak soft words to you and make a covenant with you that you might take him as a servant forever? Will you play with him like you would with a bird or will you bind him for your maidens? Shall the companions make a banquet of him? Shall they part him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with barbed irons or his head with fish spears? Lay thy hand upon him. Remember the battle. Do no more. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down even in the sight of him? None is so fierce that dare to stir him up. Who then is able to stand before him? And God goes on to speak of Leviathan and uh, of, of his strength and so forth, and showing that Job really doesn't have much power over nature. God has created the things of nature and all, and man stands pretty helpless even before nature, how much more before God. Then Job answered the Lord and said, chapter 42, I know that you can do everything and that no thought can be withheld from thee. Pretty important. I know God can do everything. Secondly, I know that you can't hide a single thought from God. The Bible says concerning Jesus that he didn't need anyone to come and tell him of other people because he knew man and he knew what was in man. You can't hide any thoughts from God. The Bible tells us that someday our very thoughts are to be judged for God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. We are going to be judged not so much by what we do, but by what motivated us to do the things that we did. Now, you may be doing many right things, but with a wrong motivation. Jesus said, take heed to yourself that you do not your righteousness before men to be seen of men, to be looked upon by men as righteous and holy, and therefore you're doing your deeds in order to get this accolade of man is wrong. God's going to judge the motivation. Our works are to be tried by fire, and many of them will be burned like wood, hay, and stubble. 
Those that remain will be rewarded for, but much of our works done out of wrong motivation will not endure the testing of fire. God is a searcher of the thoughts, the intents of a man's heart. So Job says, Lord, I know that I can't hide any thought from you. Who is he that hides the counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I... Now, Job is confessing. I have uttered what I did not understand. Things that were too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I've been talking, Lord, out of my hat. I don't even know what I was talking about. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, declare thou unto me. For I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. And so Job, the discovery of God. God, I've heard of you. I've been talking about things that I've heard, but now I see. My eye seeth thee. It's always a glorious day in our lives when God is moved from our heads to our hearts. From just a knowledge to an experience. I've heard of thee, God, with my ears. I've heard people talk about you. I've talked about you. But God, I was talking about things I didn't really know. I didn't really understand. I didn't really see. I've heard about you with the hearing of my ears, but now I see you. And what a difference it makes when our eyes are open and we actually begin to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. And how glorious when our eyes behold, when, when the spiritual eyes are open and I really begin to have a real experience with God in my life. And the scriptures are suddenly opened up. A whole new dimension of spiritual life is open to me as I am born again by the Spirit and come into the spiritual dimension, no longer just hearing about God, but now actually seeing, comprehending God. And in the discovery of God, there comes the resultant discovery of self. Wherefore, I abhor myself, I repent in dust and ashes. Daniel spoke about when God gave to him this revelation, when he saw the glory of God in this revelation, he said, then was my comeliness turned into ugliness within me. When Peter saw Jesus, he said, depart from me, I am a sinful man. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, woe is me, I am undone. I dwell amongst, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst people of unclean lips. Seeing God gives you the greatest insight on yourself you've ever had. So many times a person says, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good, I'm, you know. But once they see God, that's all it takes to bring a man down to his knees, begging for mercy, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. When I can see God as God sees me, a sinful, hopeless wretch, no longer looking at myself, deceiving myself, justifying myself, but seeing me as God sees me. But that can't happen until I first see God. 
Lord, I've heard of you. Now I see you. Now I see me. I abhor myself. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord turned to his friends, to Eliphaz, the Timonite. And he said, My wrath is kindled against thee and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job has. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept lest I deal with you after your folly in that which ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. Now, let me say that God doesn't like you going around saying false things about him. He doesn't appreciate that at all. Or going around speaking for him things that he has not said. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Job on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Job 38 through 42 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and keep you as you have to go out and mix in that world, I pray that God will give you divine insulation by His Holy Spirit that will just sort of ward off all of the evil influences that are pointed in your direction. I pray that God will just help you to keep your mind and heart fixed upon Him and that you'll look above the corruption of this world and that you'll be strengthened as we look to Him, our only hope but who is our strength and our defense. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Have you ever thought about this simple phrase, God loves you? This just might be the most important truth you could ever grasp, that God has called you into a loving relationship with himself. Unfortunately, many of us have been brought up to think that we need to earn God's love. In Chuck Smith's book, Why Grace Changes Everything, Pastor Chuck imparts years of wisdom from his own experiences, how he thought he had to work hard and deny his own desires for God to love him. But when he unlocked the secret to God's grace, this changed 
changed everything. Come alongside Pastor Chuck to discover an astonishing truth about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That it's not based upon your works, but based upon God's love for you. It's true. Grace changes everything. To find out more and to read a preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673. 